Hello, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. I'm Carly McBride, Content Communications Manager. Before we get started, here's your reminder. Make sure you're subscribed to Order Up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform so all our new releases go automatically into your podcast feed and you don't miss a beat. For today's episode, we're doing things a bit differently. In May, the Association and Foundation welcomed new president and CEO Michelle Corsmo. Michelle joined the podcast in July for an introductory episode, and now she returns as a guest host to speak directly with our members about key industry topics and issues. These discussions will take place over a three-part mini-series beginning today, so be sure to tune in and subscribe so you don't miss the rest of these valuable discussions releasing over the next three Mondays. Today, Michelle is joined by Lance Trinari, CEO of Golden Corral Corporation. Lance also serves as the association's board chair and president. As you can imagine, he has some incredible input and insights into today's food service industry, and we are thrilled to have him as a part of the podcast today. So without further ado, Michelle, I will hand these hosting duties over to you to discuss key priorities with Lance. Thank you so much, Carly. It is great to be here, guest hosting Order Up. And Lance, so glad to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's quite an honor. You have the privilege of wearing a couple of hats, one as the chair of the National Restaurant Association, and then also the hat you wear as the president and CEO of Golden Corral. I want to talk to you today a little bit about each of those roles and specifically about your role at Golden Corral. You know, Golden Corral was certainly a restaurant that had to make some major changes during the pandemic, and you've really emerged stronger. I think there's a wonderful story in there. So as we get going and talking about the different roles you play, I think it would help our listeners to hear a little bit more about you. So if you could take a moment to introduce yourself and share a little bit about how you got started in the restaurant industry. Sure. Well, thank you. And um, I again, thanks so much for having me on today. And I very much appreciate it. And I love being a part of anything that the association is doing. My role in the restaurant industry started at the ripe old age of eight years old. I actually started working <laughs> in my father's restaurant, washing dishes and stood on a milk carton to reach where I needed to be at a three compartment sink. And I think that I played more than I worked, but that was my first introduction to the restaurant industry. And I've worked in the restaurant uh, industry every year of my life since then. So I've been in the industry for nearly 50 years now. It's It's been an incredible uh, journey, being able to see it from the very early ages working in my dad's restaurant and understanding in those early days the value of the team and the family atmosphere. And it became very much, that was just the way of life for our family. We Everything kind of centered around the restaurant as I was growing up. And then even through school, I was able to work in restaurants and able to either wait tables or at one point tended bar and you know, just had a lot of different great experiences that allowed me to eventually come back and run one of my dad's restaurants in Tupelo, Mississippi. And that was such a wonderful experience. And I loved working with my dad, but it was working with my dad. And so, <laughs> so, 
so as I really started thinking about my life and what I wanted to do with my career, uh, Paulette and I had just recently married. And so we had to really start thinking about what was going to be best for us. And I had a great customer that ate with me at least once a week. And he was an area supervisor for Golden Corral. And he started telling me about this really cool company that he was a part of that really had incredible beliefs and values, a founder with great vision. And so I, eventually I agreed to listen and uh, started to the interview process and it just felt like the right fit. And so 37 years ago now, I joined Golden Corral and wow. I've been with Golden Corral for the last 37 years. I started as uh, what we call a partner manager, which is a joint venture program that Golden Corral had. And uh, I had part of my own restaurant, owned part of my own. And, and I kind of thought that was the route that I was going to follow into maybe a future franchise opportunity. But as time progressed, I really saw opportunity for leadership and for, you know, multi-unit. And I decided that was a path I wanted to take. And so Golden Corral was very gracious in my development through the years. And as I started along that path, Ted Fowler, our president and CEO at the time, kind of took me under his wing, if you will, and felt like that given the right exposure to different situations, learning situations, that I might have the opportunity to do some bigger and better things in Golden Corral. So over the years, that certainly ended up being a huge opportunity for me to learn so many different aspects of our business. I ran uh, human resources, I ran purchasing, I ran our equipment company, I ran development and, and all of these different, uh, and of course, operations. And uh, I think the only role I haven't held in Golden Corral is marketing. And my team teases me here all the time that I'm a closet marketer. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I really have been very fortunate in the way that Golden Corral has given me so many different opportunities all under one roof. But I think what really drove it was Golden Corral's belief and value system and James Maynard's vision of what our company could be. We all subscribe to what we call the 100-year plan. And the 100-year plan at Golden Corral means that we're going to be in business for at least 100 years. So we better make all of our decisions on a long-term basis. And so that was the way that we approached all of our business-making decisions. And that was what really helped me kind of formulate my own vision, if you will, for just business, restaurant industry in general, that you really, this is an industry that you can't take a short-term view on. It really is about a long-term commitment to doing the right thing and making sure that you have beliefs and values that you stand for and the way that you treat your guests and most importantly, the way you treat your people. So that brought me all the way to 2015. Uh, that's when I became um, our president and CEO and our now we'll be 50 years old in January uh, 3rd of this next year. And I'm only the third CEO in our company's history. James Maynard, our founder, was our first. Ted Fowler, our president and CEO, was our second. And then now me since 2015. So for the last seven and a half years, uh, I've been in this role and I've appreciated every single moment. I don't know if I could say I loved every moment, 
um, <laughs> especially during those uh, COVID years. Pandemic. Yeah. You know, I've, I've certainly appreciated it. And I felt a deep obligation and commitment to our people here at Golden Corral, who are the most amazing team that I could ever describe. Uh, they're just truly, truly a phenomenal group. That's great, Lance. I think your story is such a perfect story of all of the opportunity that exists in this industry. And that's one of the things as I've come into this role at the National Restaurant Association, I've enjoyed the most is getting to hear the stories of the individuals who are, as they are for the people I get to work with, um, really at tremendous points in their careers where they've really accomplished a lot. And it's fun to hear. It's interesting when you talk about what's made this successful. I hear a couple of key phrases in your story. One phrase that I love is that it was fun, right? I think that even when you were young at eight or early teenage, thinking of this as fun in the hospitality industry is really a key to success. The other thing you talked about was saying yes when people talk to you about different opportunities you know, saying, yes, I'd be interested to go and work for someone other than my dad, even though I know that was a double-edged sword. That <laughs> didn't go over great at home, I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sure, it, I'm sure it didn't. And you would have had a wonderful life if you would have been um, with your dad, obviously, but you've, you've really done amazing things at Golden Corral. And I would guess that everybody at Golden Corral, after the work that you did leading your team through the pandemic, would say that you were meant for that job in that moment. And so saying yes at the right time really allowed a, a wonderful path for you to be exactly where you needed to be when you needed to be there. I was thinking about you know, all of these issues, and it makes me think a lot about the workforce, because that's something we talk a lot about within the association is the current challenges for finding great workers and for retaining those. And I think that being very intentional about sharing stories like yours and um, the thousands and thousands of stories like yours that exist in the industry really helps people see how they can build a wonderful life in this business. So my question for you, Lance, as chair of the National Restaurant Association, you, know, you also hear from a lot of members representing all parts of the industry about the challenges they're facing most certainly workforce recruitment and retention uh, and fighting inflation. So let's talk for a bit first about the themes that have emerged from these conversations. So what sticks out to you is the most impactful and how are these stories informed the plans and strategies that the National Restaurant Association is implementing as we think about workforce retention and recruitment and inflation? No, it's a great question, uh, Michelle. And, uh, you know, as we've often had the opportunity to talk about, uh, and you're so right, this is an industry of opportunity. And I love sharing my story because I am truly a dishroom to the boardroom guy, but I'm one of a, hundreds of thousands of stories out there. Yeah. And there's so many great stories right here in Golden Corral. We have so many great stories of people coming to this country, building a life, owning their restaurants, true dishroom to boardroom kind of situations. But there's also other situations where people join us out of college and decide that they want a career in hospitality because they love people or they love food or they love having fun, like we talked about. Yeah. You know, the hospitality industry is hard. It's a lot of hours. It's a lot of work. Uh, we work when other people are playing. And right. from that scenario, it's not for everyone, but if you truly have a desire to serve people, 
and to enjoy and be around great food. What an incredible industry this is. And if it can become sort of your family, if it can become something that you are so engaged with that you love getting up every day doing what you do, then the opportunities in this industry are endless. And so as I've had the opportunity this year as, as chair to go around the country and visit with different uh, members and talk about um, all the great opportunities in the industry and talk to different state associations about what's going on at the National Restaurant Association, I think probably the biggest overarching uh, discussion always centers around the opportunities that exist in our industry. But the last two and a half years have really wreaked havoc on so many of our members. So we do end up talking about the opportunities and you can see the pain in people's face so often right. when they know that they are struggling just to survive in many cases right. um, so that they can get back to doing what they love, get back to doing the work that presents those opportunities to all the people that we want to. So I think that, you know, 2020, obviously we had COVID, we had the pandemic, we had all these terrible things that we were facing. And we all had the sentiment or the feeling that if we can just make it through COVID, then everything will be okay. Well, then right on its tail, we had supply chain issues. We had workforce shortages. Uh, we have um, all of the inflationary pressures that we're all feeling now. And now the economy is starting to contract a little bit, and we're seeing some consumers draw back in their disposable income spending. And so we've got all of these new challenges that we're facing as an industry. And I I'll tell you, I, I would not want to do it without friends in the association. You know, it's so good to be able to talk to others in the association, other members, be able to reach out to other folks and what are you doing about this? How is your food cost? What are you doing to hire and retain people? And to be able to have that comfort that you're not going through this alone, right. that there are resources out there, that there are things that can help you on a day-to-day -day basis so that we can all get back on track to presenting those opportunities that we've talked about. I think that it's a difficult time in the restaurant industry and we still haven't fully recovered. We have so many that are facing you know, severe workforce shortages, so many that are still facing profitability challenges throughout the industry because of the inflation that we're seeing in food and commodities, equipment, right. construction. Um, all of those headwinds are, are really taking their toll. That being said, what I also see emerging or what I also see consistently as I have the opportunity to travel around is the resourcefulness the resilience, the creativity, mm -hmm. the pure, deep enthusiasm for our industry that exists out there. I've seen so many examples of people finding new ways to grow their business under so many difficult circumstances that it's it's inspiring to me. I mean, I, I get energized when I come back from a trip. I'm like, yeah. you guys aren't going to believe this. Let me tell you about <laughs> these stories. And you know, I just, I love that about our industry because people get so excited about creating good things, um, whether it's opportunity or doing good for their communities that they serve. We truly are America's kitchen table. And for the way that people can gather around our restaurants, that they can 
find a little relief from their daily lives, the pressures that customers are facing, and be able to enjoy that in our restaurants, that brings smiles to our people's face. That brings smiles to our industry. And when they can see the good that they create out there, it's just phenomenal in my book. And that that's what gets me so excited about what the association's doing. Uh, you talked about what, what informs our path forward, what informs our ideas, our strategic planning. It's that very ideal that we can bring something good to our country. We can bring, yes, we do wonderful work in, in creating profitable business models, helping people understand all the good things that the restaurant can do. But when you see the basic, when you boil it all the way down to what we really you know, are able to pull out of the restaurant industry, that doing good for others, doing good for our communities, having profitable businesses, but in turn giving back immediately to the communities that we serve. Those kind of things are, I mean, that's just life-changing kind of work. And that's why I think that the restaurant industry is so phenomenal because I don't know where else you can do all that and be around great food 24 <laughs> Which is a wonderful side treat is that you're always around great food. In fact, it's in many ways, a hazard I've learned in my time with the industry is that I always say yes, because the food and the people are so wonderful. Did you know the National Restaurant Association produces and hosts several webinars each month to serve and grow the industry? Topics ranging from hiring and workforce, food safety, and the most urgent and relevant policy topics during this turbulent time for restaurants. All previous webinars are also available for on-demand viewing. To learn more about upcoming and recorded webinars, please visit restaurant.org slash events slash learning. That's restaurant.org slash events slash learning. You know, it's interesting as you talk about it, Lance, I don't know that people have are able to really appreciate how even you, the CEO of a major national organization and restaurant, who is the chair of the National Restaurant Association, still sees real value in those conversations with your fellow restaurant operators where you're learning from them and seeing the ingenuity and the opportunity. You know, I, I see that too when we go around and talk with people about supply chain problems. People have gotten very creative and it's always focused on how do we still provide a great experience for our customers and that singular focus is really wonderful. Uh, one of the other things that I always like about the association and working with people in the association is that sense that you're working for something bigger than yourself. We really are here to help make the industry better. And part of how we do that is by telling our individual stories. You know, we're talking about the stories of restaurants today. I don't think most people realize how tough it still is for restaurants. Because on the outside, it looks great. Tables may be full, there's people enjoying their meals, it feels like we're back and everything's normal, but it's not necessarily normal on the inside, right? So you probably have workforce challenges, you probably don't have all of the products that you need, and then there's probably a big financial uh, overhang from the pandemic that uh, most businesses are trying to figure how to get out of. Sure. And, and that's an important story to tell. And I think that we did a good job during the pandemic of really emphasizing 
those stories to our local, state, and federal elected officials. And now I think we have to keep building on that to make sure that everybody knows that the importance of those strong relationships with our local, state, and federal elected officials has to be ongoing. I've always said that you don't build relationships in a crisis. You can get work done in a crisis, but the relationships come day in and day out during the good times. And you've done a lot of that work uh, to build those relationships, Lance, over time. What advice do you have for restaurant operators who are working to build relationships with elected officials? Well, I think this is really such an important topic, Michelle, and I'm, I'm glad you asked the question because it's something that I'm very passionate about because what's the old saying? If, if um, you don't have a seat at the table, then you're probably on the menu, right? So Yep, that's it. Yeah, at the end of the day, if you don't have these relationships developed, and you're right, you don't wait till a crisis to try to develop them. But if you don't have these relationships developed early on, and look, all politics are local, right? So yep. it's about meeting one-on-one with local politicians, whether it be your, your local municipality or state government, or even your federal representatives um, from your state or around the country. It's that one-on-one interpersonal um, knowledge that you have of one another, sharing the stories like what you just talked about so that they truly understand. Our representatives that are elected, I really truly believe most of them want to do good, but I also truly believe that they're often, very often, uninformed. And so if they don't know what challenges you have on your P&L, if they don't know the workforce shortage challenges that you have in your restaurants and potential solutions to them, then they're going to operate off somebody else's assumptions. And so it's really important that you have those opportunities to do that. Unfortunately, what drives politics in many cases in our country is is fundraising and, and money. Yep. It's not that you're trying to buy any votes. What it does is it buys you access. And when you have access to your representatives, when you have access to your state and elected officials, that is when you have the opportunity to really tell your story. It would be wonderful if we could just walk into anyone's office at any time and uh, be able to sit down and have that conversation. And in theory, that is the way that it works. But the reality of the situation is there's, in many cases, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of constituents for whatever elected office you're trying to get to. And the pure reality is if you haven't worked hard to develop that relationship, if you haven't supported that candidate financially, then your name is on a list with potentially millions of other people. So in order to gain that access, you have to work really hard to make sure that you're developing that relationship, that you're supporting them financially. And, the, and be able to get their attention and develop that relationship. And once that relationship is developed, then you can call on them often as you need to right. and really be able to get things done. And so I really, um, I think it's it's critically important for whether it be through the, the, the PAC um, that we have at the National Restaurant Association, your individual giving, whatever it might be, Make sure that you're highly engaged because 
you don't want to be on the menu. You really do want to be um, <laughs> one of the ones uh, helping to influence uh, policy because yeah. if we don't have a beneficial business environments, you see just the last year or so, the difficult times that we're having in the industry because of some of the business environment challenges that we've been uh, burdened with. So I really want us to uh, all think about how we get more engaged in the political process. Lance, I love how you emphasize the relationships because that's really what you're working to build with all of your political giving or any other political engagement that you have is that relationship. And you talked about how people are often under a misperception about what the industry is really like. I've loved the phrase I've heard some of the people in the industry talk about when they say, you know, elected officials have eaten in a restaurant, so they clearly understand how a restaurant works. And I think that's often the case is that people have eaten in restaurants. So I get it. I know how this works. How hard can that be? Yeah. (laughs) How hard can that be? So it's the behind the scenes that is so important. And so I would encourage everybody listening to take the time to call one of their elected officials and invite them into their restaurant and give them a back of the house tour and talk about the decision making that you go through, because all of that really is that relationship building that makes a difference. You know, that's when they're going to see how wholesale food prices, which I think right now are up 13 percent, are really taking a toll on on business And let's go into that a little bit. If you could take off your National Restaurant Association hat and put on your Golden Corral hat right now, my question for you, Lance, is what are some of the things that Golden Corral is doing to help offset rising costs? Well, um, you know, actually, that actually fits with the last question we just talked about. One of the things that we're really pushing is advocacy efforts to create a more beneficial business environment. So, that just you see how everything always ties together, but some of the Golden Corral specific things. Um, obviously, we're a buffet chain, and so we have the opportunity to have great variety and abundance in our buffet. So we are constantly evaluating our menu where the great opportunities are. But you have to be really careful, and I think this applies across the industry. If you ever start cutting quality or not giving mm-hmm. the guest what they want then that ultimately cost you more money and could potentially put you out of business. So we're very, very aware of that fine line that we have to walk between trying to manage our cost and our commodity inflation with making sure that our guests are getting what they want and that it's at the best, highest quality that we can offer. Um, so we yeah. really look beyond food. Uh, food cost is going to cycle. It always does. In my 48 years in the restaurant business, I've always seen it cycle and it'll eventually come back down. What's not going to come back down, in my opinion, are wages. Wage inflation is there. Workforce shortages are going to continue to be a pressure um, for our industry, I do believe. So finding ways to be more efficient in our operation is critically important. Still not coming at the expense of the guest. That can't happen or you'll damage your business model. But there are efficiencies that can be gained inside of everyone's operation. We just went through and worked with a a great group called Profitality, and they came in and did a time motion study on every single product that we produce and every single position that we operate with. And what we've been able to find, we've been able to cut as much as 75 or 80 hours a week out of our schedule. Well, that adds up to real money 
over a, a year's time. It doesn't take anything away from our guests. It doesn't cut our quality, but it does improve our own profitability so that we don't have to continue to try to escalate our prices, that we don't have to take uh, our consumers to a place they don't want to be when it comes to feeding a, a family and, and a value. So making sure that we're thinking about things like robotics, again, not to take away from the guest experience of anything, just to add to the efficiency of our servers. So having them, the robots uh, running the dishes to the dish room, rather than having our servers doing all that walking, part of our time motion study found that they were spending 60% of their time going back and forth to the kitchen walking. Well, if we can eliminate 40 or 50 or even 80% of that by having a robot do it, I mean, that just makes great sense. It, it enhances their ability to take greater care of the guests. So it's really thinking outside the dots on those um, and, and those kind of things. We're looking constantly at make versus buy. Should we buy a product or should we make the product? And most of the time we end up making our own. We make most of our products from scratch today. But there are some things out there. We found that buying shredded carrots had the same quality as what we were spending an hour and a half a day shredding carrots for all the different recipes that we serve in Golden Corral. And so we saved a little over an hour a day by buying shredded carrots. We didn't cut our quality. We didn't hurt our coworkers, made their life a little easier. And, uh, you know, it, it ended up uh, being a great uh, purchase for us. So it's those constant evaluation of ideas, and they can come from anywhere. We've got contests out there, coworkers submit ideas, um, management submit ideas, field multi-unit submit ideas, franchisees. All the time, we're getting great ideas from people, especially those that are closest to serving the customer. They're always going to be the ones that have the best ideas uh, on how to more efficiently run our business. That's great. I mean, it's interesting to think about those little improvements that can endure past the crisis of higher prices and the concern about finding enough team and coworkers to serve your customers in the way that you need to. And I think it's important to leave on the note as we wrap up this podcast with the importance of keeping that value front and center for the consumer, because we've noticed the consumer confidence number dropping right. uh, recently. And so we want to make sure that they have confidence in the value of the dollars that they're spending in our restaurants. No, that's exactly right. I think it's so important to keep the value equation balanced appropriately. Um, we are, you know, having a really great year at Golden Corral. What a what a comeback. Our comeback's been greater than our setback, as we say. So um, we're excited about that. But one of the reasons we believe it's happening is because of the great value that we try to offer every single day. That's great. Uh, that tagline, your slogan, comebacks greater than the setback from your pandemic, is the perfect note to end this conversation on because it's so positive and uplifting and I think shows everybody what a team can do when you set your mind to it. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And thanks so much for having me on today. And uh, thank you for the incredible job you're doing and leading this association to what I really believe is going to be the, the highest level it's ever seen. So congratulations to you. And uh, we're happy to have you. Thank you, Lance. It is my pleasure. I'm so thrilled to be able to serve this industry and 
take my turn with stewardship of the National Restaurant Association and the Educational Foundation. So thank you, Lance. Thank you, Carly, for letting me come in and co-host the podcast this week. Thank you both very much. This was a really insightful conversation, and I'm so excited for our listeners to hear it. Great. I'm uh, looking forward to hearing it, and thank you guys again for having me on. Thanks so much for listening to Order Up, the podcast from the National Restaurant Association. Follow us on your favorite podcast player and find out more at restaurant.org slash podcasts. Episode produced by Dante32.